on today's show. There are the Mokin, and then you have the Haneo. And the Mokin live in um, Indonesia, and they are um, they are known for having an uncanny ability to see underwater. Like they have super advanced underwater vision. Hello, welcome to Mystical Magical Creatures. I'm Beth. And I'm Erica. And today we are talking about mermaids. So excited. Me too. (laughs) And we have a really fantastic guest to discuss these mystical magical creatures. Varla Ventura is an accomplished author and speaker. She's the author of Varla Ventura's Paranormal Parlor, Ghosts, Seances, and Tales of True Hauntings, along with Fairies, Pukas, and Changelings, A Complete Guide to the Wild and Wicked Enchanted Realm, and several other books on bizarre trivia and magical creatures, including Among the Mermaids, Facts, Myths, and Enchantments from the Sirens of the Sea. A lover of all things bizarre and strange, she spends her time lurking around lakes, diving for legends, and sailing the seven seas in search of an elusive story. Varla, thank you so much for joining us today. Ah, thank you for having me. So I have to ask you, because it says that you spend your time lurking around lakes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we want to know. What does that entail? Well, I was going to say, I haven't done a lot of sailing of the seven seas in the last uh, year or so due to, you know, restrictions yeah, yeah, yeah. COVID restrictions <laughs> it was like have to i'd have to pirate a boat of my own um, right. well i am originally from the san francisco bay area where i spent a lot of time on the sea and i about five years ago moved very far inland to the land of Ten Thousand lakes so now i live in minnesota and um I have to get my water fix from the lakes. And Mm. it turns out that every lake in Minnesota has a legend that goes along with it. So it's been really interesting for exploring. Um, I, that type of traveler that loves to go to, you know, go on ghost tours and go on those kind of like legend tours wherever I go and um be at a small town you know in northern minnesota or somewhere you know like a big um metropolitan city i always love these kinds of things and um i've been just kind of digging up some of those legends as i go and you know just kind of getting to know the local history so um lurking around lakes is the best way to do that (laughs) i love that Do, do you actually scuba dive in the lakes so I've, I swim in the lakes. I have not scuba dived in any of the lakes, although I understand that you can scuba dive in Lake Superior and there are quite a few shipwrecks. Wow. Um, I have scuba dived in the ocean before. Scuba dove? What is it? Scuba yeah. dived? Scuba diver? <laughs> Don't Don't scuba diver. diving. <laughs> um, in, in the ocean before and done, you know, just like snorkeling and stuff. But in lakes, I just do swimming. Um, but I do understand that you can get certified to scuba dive in Lake Superior, which is kind of terrifying, actually. Yeah. That's a pretty big, scary lake. Um, I don't know. In the, I know I, I say that, and I think the ocean's not as as terrifying, but the ocean, you're just more buoyant in the ocean. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Lake Superior is like a big, wicked, haunted pool of um, 
deep blue water. So it's pretty fascinating. Wow. But yeah. You know, I, I know exactly what you're saying because I, I'm actually a certified scuba diver as well. Ooh. And one of the things I had to do to get my certification was I had to um, navigate through a lake in Florida Ooh. and there was no visibility. It was like you could barely even see, we had to use a compass. And I just remember the whole time thinking, am I going to run into a an alligator because the weird thing is like when you're scuba diving, like, you know, that, I mean, you know, that, sh that sharks are a possibility, but we kind of know how to relate to sharks, but alligators, I just have no, like if I ran into an alligator under the water, I'd have yeah. no idea what would happen. Yeah. Especially when you can't see them. Well, right. that's the advantage of Lake Superior. There are no alligators or <laughs> um, sharks. Right. Just like terrifyingly cold waters and rip currents, you know. And maybe and a lake monsters, monster. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, definitely a lake monster. We'll get you going for you. Yeah. <laughs> so that, I know, now I know we're talking about mermaids, but um, I really want to know, like, what are some of the sea monsters that yeah, yeah. You know well, about that. That's actually something that um, you know. There's a lot of so in the book among the mermaids that I wrote. It's not. I mean, it's primarily about mermaids, but there's definitely sea monsters and um, lake monsters included in there. So one of the most famous lake monsters is the. Um, they call the name for Lake Superior is actually Gitchigomi, and there is this large serpent that has a spiked spiny tail um, that lives in the waters of Lake Superior. And actually, if you drive um, uh, into the, onto the Canadian side, um, kind of, I guess that would be like up by Sault Ste. Marie, and you go up the coast a little bit, there's actually a place where you can climb down and there's um, some petroglyphs and there's depictions of this crazy sea monster wow. there. And basically, um, it was thought that, you know, it, it would like lash its tail and cause the storms. So huh. Lake Superior is oh, known wow. for the gales of November. I mean, it's known for storms and there's, mm -hmm. there's hundreds of shipwrecks um, because it's basically this, you know, like a giant ocean, but, uh, and it has its own currents and everything. Um, so that's, that's one of the, you know, there's actually quite a few lake monsters, even in, in the United States, you have, um, in, let's see, there's one in the Seattle area. There's one in, I'm trying to remember the name of the one in the Seattle area too. I'd probably have to look in the book to grab it. Yeah. Um, there's one in the, um, Burlington um, Lake Champlain, they call him Champy and mm -hmm. that they mm -hmm. actually have kind of marketed. If you go to that area, if you go yeah. to, um, Burlington, Vermont, uh -huh. there's, um, see, there's a lot of like sea monster depictions and things like that. So there's actually quite a few throughout the United States. And of course, around the world, I think anytime you find a body of water, be it a well or a babbling brook or a, you know, coast, you will find some sort of magical um, water creature wow. or some kind of protector spirit. Um, but I think what's very interesting about these kind of legendary monsters and water, I mean, it, there's, there's a lot of layers to it. One, of course, being that, um, you know, there's so many things that we don't understand about the water when we go into the forest and we kind of, we are looking for these mythical magical creatures. 
we're looking for something kind of animalistic um, and it and can seem somewhat treacherous or somewhat threatening, but it's not as threatening as not being able to breathe underwater. So there's this whole kind of underwater world that is actually life-threatening just by nature of the fact that we're humans and we can't, we're not mermaids or we're not mermaids <laughs> yet. Yes. So we can't breathe under underwater. <laughs> oh, how I wish we could though. <laughs> Maybe one day. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're getting closer. We're evolving, right? <laughs> yeah, we are. <laughs> well, and you even talk about in your book, um, I forget her name, but uh, there's a girl who, there's a, a few of them that, um, you know, they wear mermaid tails and they um, use it as a yeah. way to be environmentalists. Yeah. Hannah Fraser is one of them. Um, mermaid, I think mermaid, mermaid, Mamiko is another one. There's actually quite a few of these mermaid crusaders. Most of them are women. There are a few men and they love to, they, they swim um, in their mermaid tails and they um, will perform at parties or, you know, perform and um, uh, kind of in shows. And actually there's, there, there's even like a big mermaid convention and um, everybody wears their tails and gets into the, in the pool. We got to get an invite to that. <laughs> uh, but they are crusaders for the environment and for keeping the oceans safe and clean and, you know, protecting sea turtles and manatees mm. and all of these um, animals that are threatened. So, I mean, like in many ways, that's, that's the exact embodiment of what so many of these magical water creatures are. They're actually there to protect the water, protect yeah. you from falling in perhaps, or your children from falling in the well or contaminating the town water source by poking around in it. Mm. So there's some practicalities of these magical creatures, but um, by and large, there's a kind of um, a sort of a guardianship of protecting that place. And I think that's what a lot of monsters are there to do. Yeah, I love that. I love the lighter, brighter side um, where- <laughs> Well, just wait. <laughs> Where well, they're there to help. <laughs> yeah, yeah and that's, I, I also had some questions about that too. Yeah, well, Mer one of the reasons that I wanted to write that book actually is because I think like many of us, you sort of grow up, um, especially in the United States, you grow up with a certain type of mermaid. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we were introduced to Ariel in what, the 80s. Um, but even prior yeah. to that, mermaids were typically depicted in fact even on the cover of my book that's an old hair ad for like some kind of hair tonic yeah. so mm -hmm. beautiful long flowing hair and you know bathing on the rocks and singing and just you know and and that actually fits a lot of the um uh folkloric descriptions of some mermaids mm -hmm. but i also wanted people to understand as with you know anything in like the fairy kingdom there is definitely a much darker side and mm -hmm. Um, that, you know, there are a lot of things that we misunderstand about mermaids. And of course, you know, there's always that idea that, so, I mean, so many of the mermaid stories are this kind of like beautiful, helpless creature that some man comes upon mm -hmm. and then he lifts her up to help her and then she drowns him. Mm -hmm. And while we know that a lot of these things are probably you know, rooted in truth, just based on our own experience with men. Uh, <laughs> I, I think there's a certain <laughs> layer there of like, 
<laughs> of like, you know, okay, oh, I'm helpless. Oh, he's going to save me. Oh, now I'm going to turn on him. Um, but one thing that's quite interesting that I've been reading a lot more about lately is that there are uh, many um, stories that tie mermaids to witches. And I oh, actually God. recently read an article from this um, uh, a journal online that said that a lot of people actually speculate that one of the reasons you don't see mermaids as much anymore is that they were persecuted during the witch trials and that they were hunted oh, wow. and killed. And so huh. I do have a story in the book about the mermaid of Zenor, which is um, the mermaid chair in Cornwall. And the story behind that is that this, this woman was not, she like didn't fit in the village. Um, she wouldn't go to church. So she wasn't God fearing like everyone else. So mm -hmm. she didn't go to church and, you know, she was very beautiful, but seemed a little bit odd. And everyone believed that she was a mermaid, but also a witch. She had a knowledge of the plants. She was considered a healer. People would go to her for like, you know, love stuff, but then they also kind of shunned her a little bit. And the, mm -hmm. I, the it was speculated that she had um, come on land and she had, you know, married this man and was, able to enchant him enchant herself and live in this village but there was this real history and then the mermaid chair is the bench in the church that has um, carvings of the of the mermaids on the side of it and um the idea of that really that really grabbed me was this thought of the mermaid being equated with witchcraft mm -hmm. which is not always an association that everyone makes or that I even necessarily made, but it made a lot of sense to me when I thought about it like that, that um, mermaids are certainly feared for good reason because they, they do lure you in and they will drown you. But they also have this other kind of um, otherworldly kind, kind of healing element that I think is pretty compelling as well. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's really fascinating. <laughs> um, hey, before we go any further, I just want to tell you, Varla, um, your mic, which is really great, is kind of picking up a lot of like movement. Just, um, okay. I just, I would, just so it like, might be like, maybe you have it out a little bit more from your. Is, like hitting but, my, is it hitting my um, necklaces? Maybe, yeah, maybe? I think so. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah just, I'll try just, and to, just to let you know. <laughs> I'm gesticulating a lot. I'll try and stay no, it's more great. still. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. I mean, I just love what you're saying so much that I, um, yeah. that I want it to, to like, want it so to be clear. Yeah. Yeah. So that's super interesting. What, what you're saying about the mermaids, because I do know someone who, um, I try to get him to come on the show. I have to get in touch with him, yeah. but, um, he actually had an encounter where he totally believes he saw a mermaid. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'll just tell you a little bit about his encounter, but basically, um, he was in the water. I think it was in Hawaii and he and his wife, this, this like creature just appeared up out of the water and, um, looked at him and he said it, she was not friendly looking at all, oh. <laughs> and, but she didn't do anything to them. Like, I think they just backed away or whatever, but, um, wow. he doesn't know if he like slipped it was like another dimensional type of thing, but he said she was there. She kind of looked kind of wild, like a Medusa kind of looked at them and they, they just knew like, don't mess with her. And so I think they just sort of froze and watched her. Like I, I have to get him to tell the story cause it, but my memory of it is that he froze, he 
watched her and then she went back into the water but um, and then they got out of the water i would oh yeah yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah i wonder yeah. if but they he were said passing... she was really terrifying well i yeah. wonder if they were like about to pass into some kind of like you know treachery zone yeah. or zone that they shouldn't be in for whatever oh, reason yeah and that she scared them away actually in order to protect them yeah possible oh, i don't that'd that be really sense. good to ask him yeah, yeah. i don't know yeah I, oh I really that's so i had a woman send a story and it's in the book about um being in this um i think she was in the bahamas and she was staying with her mom in a little kind of cabana out over the water and mm -hmm. something appeared to her in her room. It was male, actually, had red hair, glowing eyes. She sent me a drawing of it, which there was no way for me to really put the drawing in the book, but she sent mm -hmm. me a drawing of it. And it almost had, like, you know when people sketch when they've had, like, an alien encounter? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, it almost had that kind of quality to it, but um, it was half fish, you know, it was male mm -hmm. from the waist down. And she thought maybe she was just dreaming or something, but then the next day when she woke up, there was a pool of water in her room oh, where no. she had seen it. And then her mom had also had some kind of similar, like she woke up and thought she saw something in the room. So that was, and I, I had it. It's interesting that you brought your friend up because when I first, I mean, the, the book's been out for a number of years now. And when I first wrote it, I had a pretty hard time getting people to tell me their mermaid mm -hmm. stories. Mm -hmm. But once I started talking about it, like going on uh, a show, or, then I had people writing to me, um, including some close friends who grew up on a sailboat. Um, my friend's mother called and was like, you know, I, I, we had a mermaid basically like keep us from drifting out to sea one time. Really? So, wow. yeah. So, so I've heard both, um, uh, I've heard, that kind of vision story, but then also mm -hmm. um, more than one person talking about a mermaid sort of guiding them back to safety. And so that's, mm -hmm. it's so interesting because I do wonder, you know, like with that friend's place or that friend's vision in Hawaii, was that a warning, but it was a warning to actually keep them safe. And if mm -hmm. they had seen something beautiful, they probably would have just like stayed and partied in the water, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's so interesting. Uh, so I'm hearing you speak about mo most of them are helping to keep people safe. Um, are they all part of the same, uh, I guess, hierarchy or, or how, how do these mermaids Kind of work. Um, I'm very you know, curious because I I know nothing about mermaids. Um, and when Beth said we were going to do a show with you, I was so super excited because I I I'm afraid of water, uh, ocean specifically. Um, and while I love to sit and stare at the ocean, you will not find me in it at all. Mm -hmm. I will, however, be on lakes and paddleboard. But the the mermaid <laughs> part, it's just so fascinating to me, and I've not had an encounter, so I'm really, really curious, especially for those listeners who don't really like myself, don't really know a whole lot about it. How, how does, how does this work exactly? Well, so depending on where you, you know, what mythology you're looking at, for example, in Ireland, the marrow are a classification of the fairy kingdom and they are actually considered members of the fairy kingdom, aquatic members. 
Um, Typically you have male and female and in a lot of, even in, there's like an old, I think I put it in the book too. There's a William Butler Yates description of a marrow and um, it's a male mermaid that is totally terrifying with like jagged teeth and it's very um, unpleasant. Oh. One of so so you basically have them classified as magical creatures from around the world. One of the first mermaid stories comes from like an old Assyrian legend about a um, a, a sort of a jilted lover who was murdered and then tossed into this lake and then came back as a mermaid. Uh-huh. There's variations on that uh-huh. story as well, where you'll hear that she appeared, she was a water spirit and appeared to him. And that because they couldn't be together, um, you know, he was drowned in the lake. There's usually some kind of oh, drowning wow. involved. Okay. Um, but then of course, in, you know, there's in many island nations, there are different depictions of mermaids so they're not always male they're not they don't always have you know um red hair which is what a lot of people think of just you know thanks to the disney version (laughs) but even in the um even in the hans christian anderson little mermaid which that movie is you know the disney is based on that's um much more steeped in some of the nordic beliefs in mermaids including the idea that coming on land was brutal and in the book it actually says and this was actually when the first my first experiences knowing about a mermaid at all was from that story my mom reading it to me and it's saying there's a line in there about how every step she takes on land is like daggers in her feet, mm. wow. just mm. cutting her feet to shreds. But there's also a similarity to the Selkie legend, which is very mm. common in Scotland and parts of Ireland. And those are seals who can, magical creatures who are seals in the water and they can remove their skins, come on land, And then if you are lucky enough to find one of their skins, you can hide it away and you can marry them. You can have children with them. You can raise a family. But if they ever find their skins again, uh, they have to immediately return to the sea. And there's some beautiful old um, Irish and also a beautiful Scottish folk song about the Selkie kind of staring back at the, at the child on the, on the beach and having to leave her family behind. So you have other kind of half human, half sea creature um, beings as well. Mm. And occasionally you see the reverse, which is like fish with legs, but typically it's, um, (laughs) it's, you know, business up top and um, fish on the bottom. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'd rather see it that way than fish on top and human on bottom. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's like walking around legs with like a fishy top and creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But also, uh, the, and and this is particularly common in, um, in some of the early depictions of mermaids in Africa along the coast, especially, Um, that the mermaid is actually depicted as a fertility goddess. And the sea is viewed, you see this also in um, Australia, especially you see the mermaids viewed as the sort of um, fertility goddess and also the 
um, one providing the abundance to the community. And so by leaving offerings to the mermaids, and there's a story in the book that an Aboriginal woman shared with me about her, um, uh, her, how her culture believes that mermaids dreamed them into mm. the world. And by leaving them offerings that the mermaids protect them and they in turn protect that bay where, where they live. Wow. Um, so you have this association with fertility with abundance um with the uh, the ocean and what the ocean gives and also fertility and childbirth are uh dangerous and have always been dangerous they're less dangerous now for most of us but it's a that's a dangerous thing and so you're going to take any kind of protection that you can get in that in that instance so yeah wow it's a lot more to mermaids than we, I mean, I, I honestly, like there's a lot more to them than I ever realized um, just in terms of what they represent culturally, the connections to water. I mean, there's also some very like creepy swamp creatures that I wouldn't necessarily put in the mermaid category, but definitely fall into the like sea or like water monsters, like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, those kind of, um, weird things that reach up out of the bog and snag a child's leg as they're walking by and you know things like that oh wow <laughs> okay note to self do not go by swamps <laughs> stay out of the ocean avoid bogs at all costs <laughs> uh so varla what do you think about um the sea creatures you know it's interesting because i where i live i see the ocean a lot and um it's funny because sometimes I've seen things where I'm like, if I didn't know better, I might mistake that for a sea, like a sea a monster or like, or, yeah. yeah, you're like, what is that? And it's dolphins or whatever. So um, what do you, do you think that some of these sea monsters really exist or what's your opinion on that? Well, I agree. I mean, every day we learn about some bizarro creature that has, you know, a lantern on its head or mm, you know a tail where it shouldn't from the sea and there are parts mm -hmm. of the sea that we have not explored mm -hmm. there are you know deep dark uh crevasses that have all kinds of bioluminescent creepies in there <laughs> so it stands to reason that we don't know everything there is to know about the ocean Absolutely. I think looking back historically um, at some of those depictions of sea monsters or sea serpents, um, you know, do you remember you live in Southern California? So do you remember during that tsunami that, um, uh, you know, how, what was it, 10 years ago? Mm -hmm. And those giant oarfish mm -hmm. showed up, washed up on the beaches, and those, those oarfish had been in the sea for, I don't know, some of them they thought were maybe 30, 40 years old. So they were huge and they were serpents. Mm -hmm. um, and then we also know about the, the rather aggressive Humboldt squids, mm -hmm. which live off the coast of uh, Northern California and actually travel all the way down through um, uh, like Baja. And um, they are very aggressive and are known to attack small boats. Um, there's the giant Pacific octopus that definitely, I mean, the Humboldt squids get really, really quite large mm -hmm. and, um, they, they can, you know, reach up and capsize, uh, if they feel threatened, they could, they could capsize a small boat. Mm 
Mm. So I think you think about that and then go back to, you know, 300, 400, 500 years ago when people are, um, you know, still not clear what's where and have to be on these ships. And then also, like, I'm even thinking Vikings and the Kraken, right? Like Viking ships actually weren't that big. In Mm. our minds, we Mm. think that they're these massive ships, but really they were kind of like smaller rowboats. (laughs) And now you have just, we know that there are huge, huge octopus, right? We already know that Mm. those exist today in modern times when they've been hunted for 200 years and, and the oceans have been damaged and the oceans are warmer. Go back to a colder time when things were less uh, harvested, and it's, yes. it's it's actually incredibly likely that there were these giant tentacled things that were reaching up and and exploring what was on the surface. So mm-hmm. when you kind of factor those things in, you you can think about it almost in a you know in a magically scientific yes yeah. <laughs> way, yeah. right? And then I think that you even even. Um, even with mermaids, so Blackbeard, the pirate, was afraid of mermaids. Mm. Mm-hmm. And he would order his ships to sail way out of the way around mermaid-infested waters. We also know that people would see manatees and dugongs, mm-hmm. which were, mm-hmm. dugongs are in the southern hemisphere, and they have these very mermaid-like, you know, tails. Mm-hmm. And they've been at sea a long time. Probably a little nutrient deprived and they you look out the side of the boat and you might see something that you think is a mermaid or maybe you're seeing a mermaid but one thing that is common about both dugongs and manatees is that they live in shallow water so as a sailor you don't want your ship to go in shallow water so whether those mermaids were specifically mermaids or they were they were depictions of manatees irregardless you wouldn't want to go through those waters because mm-hmm. your boat might run aground. And we know that Blackbeard sailed all around and tried to hide out, you know, in parts of Florida where there's a huge manatee population. Mm-hmm. So there's some practical things that you can kind of say, well, you know, maybe believing in sea monsters and um, <laughs> the Kraken, <laughs> it's not, not such a bad idea. Um, mm-hmm. But I, yeah, I mean, I do think, so I guess I think we don't really truly know so what's true. out yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Do, I'm wondering, um, because uh, some people believe like in the fairy folklore that they appear to us as snails or, you know, fairies appear as a certain flying bug or different creatures um, that we can recognize. Do you, do you think that mermaids also have this? possibility or is that a theory amongst the mermaid goers it's amongst the mermaid the mer crowd (laughs) yeah (laughs) the mermaidens um i you know most most of the stories that i've read both folkloric and people's descriptions are pretty consistent in the you know mermaid-like appearance sometimes they're more horrific or hag-like Sometimes they're more beautiful, but by and large, they tend to be this sort of half human, half fish like creature. I think just as you have with any kind of sort of more paranormal thing, you have gradients of people's encounters. So your friends encounter like 
that's pretty amazing mm -hmm. and incredibly rare. Mm -hmm. I think hearing mermaids is a lot more common. And that's something that I've heard from many people who live um, or sail or have lived on sailboats or fish um, that there's there. It's not always a sighting, but it's a sound or a warning um, that kind of steers you away from rocks and or maybe steers you toward rocks. So I would say that by and large, the, the, the depictions are fairly consistent. It's just whether or not it's hideous versus gorgeous. <laughs> okay. Okay. Now I have a really strange question. If there, if there are mermaids, do you think that, um, I mean, I think like Eric and I both agree, we say this all the time that we have found through all of our investigations and so forth, that pretty much anything is possible. <laughs> like yeah, you just yeah. really <laughs> can't say, but um, do you think if there are mermaids, they swim down, you know, like in splash when he like went to her, yeah. you know, yeah. home and like I they like swim down and they have like yeah. a city under the sea. <laughs> do you think there's any possibility that that's how oh, they I, live? I yes, absolutely. Def I think they live underwater. Absolutely. And they, you know, depending on what part of the ocean that they live in. So, you know, it might be like beautiful tropical coral beds and such if you're in the South Pacific, but then, you know, if you're in Ireland, it's among the like kelp or Northern California where you have sort of, you know, t tall rocks and kelp beds. Mm -hmm. So it just depends. And I think that mermaids appearance probably is, uh, is varies just as people do based on being able to blend into that environment. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know, I mean, I've spent time in the ocean and I think, um, you know, if you if you have you understand how quickly it is, how quickly you can get disoriented mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. think you're right next to the shore and you're right next to your like diving partner and you're just chilling out listening to the sound of the ocean waves and the next thing you know you're like really far apart right you right. know you're a mile apart wait we were supposed <laughs> to stay together so you can see how easy it is to get just sort of enchanted and then i think you can add add to that you know um any kind of um any kind of a time when you might just might just kind of put your your head in a space that is I don't want to say oxygen deprived, but like if you are diving a lot, you are altering your, your, your perception constantly, which can increase the odds that you might see something. So you mm -hmm. have that to, to factor in as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but I think that they just live underwater cause that's how they, they breathe. I think that's. Yeah. And like some of them yeah. have like a city with like the, golden arches but it's like yeah. mcdonald's or something like that. Yeah, well, you know the um you know the uh the movie splash is based on if you've not ever seen this you're gonna like look it up tonight and want to see it it's called mr peabody and the mermaid and it mm -hmm. is an old movie from the 1940s um it's william powell who was really known for playing kind of this like notorious he he was always drunk he was a drunk in all the movies and he um goes on he he's a newlywed and he goes on his honeymoon and they're on some beautiful island and he encounters a mermaid and she totally kind of you know she's a little bit of a um you know it's kind of a little bit of a trickster and she basically like convinces him to take take her with him 
and he ends up hiding her in the bathtub and then like he and his wow. wife are having cocktails but part of it is actually filmed at Wikiwachi when they oh, filmed yeah. the mermaid scenes it's filmed at Wikiwachi in um, Florida and of course that's been a mermaid show since the 1930s I think but Splash is sort of loosely based on that story of this guy finding a mermaid and then having to like hide her in the bathtub and stuff. And so it's a great, it's a great movie. It's like the best (laughs) mermaid movie. I think it's totally classic. Now I have to tell you, I have always, I always thought I would work at Wikiwachi as a mermaid. And just any of our listeners don't know what that is like me. um, I, I would like to know more about what that is. What is a Wikiwachi mermaid? So Wikiwachi is actually, now it's a park in Florida. It's Wikiwachi Springs is what it's called. And there's a bunch of mineral springs. Florida is like rife with these beautiful in, in inland mineral baths and springs. In fact, they think that the Fountain of Youth what it, that Ponce de Leon was looking for was actually one of these mineral springs in Florida and people come from all over the world to bathe in these waters and be healed. And Wikiwachi is one of the one of the longest established as far as um, obviously indigenous people were using it long before the tourists came along, but it was made an official park, I think back in the probably the 1920s or so it was kind of a tourist attraction. And there is a very deep spring that has a, um, they put like a glass wall up. And I think it's just one, but they, they now have additional like pools that you can go in and you watch this mermaid show. And there are um, people dressed as mermaids doing an underwater, kind of an underwater stage show. It's a little bit Vegas. It's a little bit like, got a little bit of like kind of a vaudeville thing. And now back in the day, they had these tubes that they would use. And I'm not sure if they're still using those or if they advanced to kind of little tanks, but they used to have these tubes that went up to the surface and they would wear these costumes, these beautiful mermaid tails and perform, you know, kind of synchronized swimming. And okay. that is has been operating and is continue has continued since I, like I said I think it was in the 1920s when they first started doing those or maybe the 1930s, so became really popular in the 50s and 60s and has maintained its popularity and actually I'm sure this last year because of COVID this was this didn't happen, but actually you can go to mermaid school there. And they have mermaid camp wow. for younger kids, and then adults can go and take place, uh, take take part in uh, mermaid swim lessons in the springs. Yeah. And um, yeah, it actually last. Uh, let's see, what two? I think it was two summers ago. Um, I was on CBS Sunday Morning with Faith Saley, and she went down. We we talked about mermaids, and she went down, and she did the. Um, she did the mermaid school. So uh, she, she awesome. got to go and put the tail in. It's actually really, if you've never put one of those things on, just even try swimming with your feet like closed together. And it's it's pretty tricky. So there's an art to it. So that's that's Wiki Wachi and- Okay. Um, yeah, it's, re- it's really cool. And like also when they would, um, if you've never seen, obviously you haven't seen the show, but when, um, they were swimming when they had those little tubes. I mean, they had to learn to breathe their air just through this tube without it going 
and they're like they can't hold their nose because they like yeah. kind of swim oh, gracefully wow. over. Yeah, and they didn't have masks. No, it was just like a tube in there, and then you just, just like you know, close your mouth yeah. around it. Oh and gosh, it's really hard not to breathe that. through your nose, obviously. So it, they're they're they, it's like they had to train, and I can't even do it in like a That's yoga amazing. class. Like, no, <laughs> <Yeah>. in my mouth. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And Beth, you were, you were wanting to be a uh, wiki watching. Right? Yeah. Oh, I totally, that's one wow. of the jobs I wanted to do, but I don't know why that's it never not, happened, but it, yeah. It could still happen. You could just do the mermaid. Yeah. Just do, do mermaid the mermaid camp. camp. Yeah, mm-hmm. for yeah. sure. Totally worth it. I, know. I love that. Wow. I just learned something new, not only about Wiki Watchy Mermaids, but about Beth. <laughs> That's awesome. Hello, mermaids. <laughs> you um, have mermaid hair, Beth. Oh, sure. Yeah, you do. This, uh, this is like called not brushed from uh, uh, all it's, day. It's but. sea swept. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Come now. Sea swept. Thank you. Um, so I have one more question. Um, before you're, I, I could talk to you forever about this stuff. It's so fun. But um, do you, is there any evidence that anything that you could think of, like a picture or anything that's been found that could potentially prove that mermaids really do exist? So the, the most, uh, so there's a couple of things that I think are more compelling evidence. Mm -hmm. Um, and then of course there are like quite a few hoaxes out there. So probably like the most if you Google mermaids, probably one of the first things that will come up is the Fiji mermaid. And that was a PT Barnum hoax where he sewed together some kind of large fish and like a monkey taxidermy and would put it be underneath the tent and, you know, charged people money for it and told everyone he found this mermaid. And it was pretty small. It was probably only like two or three feet long. So, you know, PT Barnum, um, anything for a buck. (laughs) So, um, and other than, I mean, obviously some of, we've talked about some of the personal encounters that we've heard people tell us, and those are some of the more kind of compelling stories. Um, but probably one of the most interesting, um, what, what I think of as kind of like puts it more in the realm of possibility, um, are, there are the Moken. And then you have the Haneo and the Moken live in um, Indonesia and they are, um, they are known for having an uncanny ability to see underwater. Like they Mm. have super advanced underwater vision and they have adapted this in order to be able to like fish and hunt in the sea. But it's so adapted that it's actually a trait that is now passed on to children and they don't use goggles. I mean, some of them might use goggles today, but they just open their eyes underwater and have like stellar vision. And like eye doctors have studied them for years trying to figure out what it is about their genetic makeup that has allowed them to be able to see so superiorly underwater. So that's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you, and so, th- so these are people who have lived for, you know, a, a question mark, right? Like thousands of years in this water environment um, and lived and thrived. Then you have um, the Haneo, which is a um, uh, island in Korea. And these are women who have actually pass down the ability to breathe or to hold their breath underwater for extremely long periods of time. And it's women. So the, you know, the grandmothers, the mothers and the daughters, and they teach each other, they pass this, um, 
this uh, uh, um, training along to one another. They dive without um, tanks. They don't really use weight belts. They dive mm. in the ocean. They dive mm. in some in some cases. They dive like thirty meters down, and the really experienced mm. ones can actually. There's one. There's one account of a woman holding her breath underwater for ten minutes. Wow! Wow! Which is That's like I can't even hold my breath for like. <laughs> 30 seconds, you know? know, like just everybody <laughs> count to 10 right now holding their breath. And uh, so the, what they've done is over time, they, you know, if you train, you can expand your lungs. Of course, people who are like Olympic swimmers have like incredible breath, breath control, not breath control, <laughs> breath control. <laughs> But you, but you see that there's this evolution that um, you can kind of control the ability to hold your breath and see and not necessarily breathe underwater, but be able to fully function underwater for much longer periods of time than we think is possible. And this isn't like something I just made up. I mean, these are, there's, there's, you can Google them. There's dozens of articles about them and they're, they're, you know, regular people, regular modern day people. So there's just this tradition that's associated with it. So the, the Haneo are um, pearl divers traditionally. So they'll drive, dive down and get abalone and um, other, you know, looking for um, uh, oysters and things like that and shellfish. So I guess and maybe it's a stretch to say that that's evidence of mermaids, but it does show that there's a biological way to mm -hmm. adapt to life underwater. Right. So I think it kind of just, it just may, it just leaves enough in your mind to, to kind of keep the magic alive. I think. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah absolutely. <laughs> and that's what we want. We want to keep the magic alive. We got to keep the magic alive. For sure. And the mystical. Yeah, yes. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, so Varla, you, I mean, you've done so many interviews and there's, you've done, have so many books and stuff out there. How can people, I know if they just Google your name, they can find more out about you, but how else can they find? Like, I know your books are on Amazon. Yeah. Um, just my name is Varla. My website is my name. So varlaventura.net. And um, I'm on all the things, you know, yes. Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, and it's all under Varla Ventura. And my books, um, there's information about my books on the website, but they're all still in print and they're widely available. You can get them basically anywhere books are sold. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And they're really, really yeah. good. They, they definitely are. They're amazing. I was blown away by all the different um, genres that you, you cover and the insights that you offer. So highly recommend them all. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Do you know um, who Rosemary Ellen Guiley Oh, was? I loved her. Yes, mm -hmm. she and I were one time we were on a, a show together talking about fairies. Mm -hmm. oh. We just both happened to be guests on the same show. Wow. Yeah, oh, wow. yeah, yeah. she's wonderful. She yeah. was a friend of ours, both, both of us. But um, oh, you're like, nice. uh, you're yeah. like the next Rosemary Ellen Guiley. Oh, that's yeah. a real compliment. She was prolific and very, very, yeah, she was a wonderful writer and very loved. Yes. Very I loved. So. Yeah, yeah and was. very missed. Oh, very much so. Yeah, 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 yeah. for sure. Well, Varla, thank you so much for talking to us. You're yeah, amazing, you. and this was incredible. 
And uh, I know there's more that you have to share. So hopefully we can have you back on to talk about something else. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I know about all kinds of freaky creatures. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime. Thank it, you so it. much for having me. <laughs>